Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Turn up your volume, because you're about to listen to The Sick Podcast with Tony Maradero and Sean Starr. Sports entertainment like no other. It's going to be sick. Marinero, Sean Starr, it's The Sick Podcast, and you can listen to us on all social media platforms, including our Instagram account, and the handle is... At the Sick Podcast, we've had a lot of great shows, Sean, but none are going to be better than today's. I would imagine it's a huge pleasure joining us right now, one of the premier insiders in all of professional sports. He's one of the premier NFL insiders in the world from the NFL Network, Ian Rappaport. Good afternoon. How you doing, bud? What's going on, guys? How are you? We're doing extremely well. Thanks for doing this, man. So I look you up on Twitter, and I know who you are because I follow you religiously, and you break all kinds of stories, so you're candy. For a guy like me who's in the biz, 2.4 million followers. <laughs> For the benefit of those watching this podcast and listening, how does a guy named Ian Rappaport go from nothing to 2.4 million followers? Uh, very, very slowly. Very slowly. I mean, it was, you know, I, I don't know what I thought this would end up being like, but I never thought it would be like this, right? So I was newspaper reporter in New York. I was covering high schools part-time. That was the best job I could get out of college. And I thought I was pretty good, but who knows? And I was lucky enough to get a job. You know, I was willing to move. So I was lucky enough to get a job in Mississippi, covering Mississippi State for the Clarion Ledger. And that was like the beginning of a decade of like really slow, methodical climb. Um, And it wasn't about Twitter followers because they never – they never existed then. Twitter wasn't alive. It was really just like keep trying to report and keep trying to inform and keep trying to cover the biggest thing you can, the most important thing you can for the most people. Um, and it was for me, you know, it was Mississippi State and then it was Alabama for the Birmingham News. And it was the Patriots for the Boston Herald. Um, then NFL never called out of the blue and wanted to hire me. And it was still like the strangest moment of my life. Um but that was pretty great. Uh, and it, you know, I never wanted to be on TV. I never sought after it or anything. And, uh, yeah, it was, it's all, honestly, it's all very surreal. 
You know, it's Ian, it's amazing, right? How how things generally work themselves out in that sense, right? Like you talk about the willingness to move, the willingness to make a sacrifice, uh, the willingness to uh, you know relocate yourself in order to you know make a name for yourself and see if you can make it in the business, right? And and then obviously you know you go from Mississippi, you talk about Alabama with the legend that is Nick Saban, right? And and I'm curious if we if we if we look back at that connection from your time covering mm-hmm. Alabama, dealing with Nick Saban, and what had to have been an intimidating environment. Like what lessons and how did that prepare you once you started to work for the Herald and began covering the Patriots, you know, right there when the dynasty with Brady and Belichick, how did the Saban relationship get you prepared for Bill Belichick and dealing at the NFL level in that kind of environment? Yeah, I mean, in in a couple of ways. So the most important lesson I learned about Nick Saban is you don't have to be friends with the people you cover. And not that Nick and I were enemies. We were not. I mean, there was a year when we were not. We were sort of butting heads a lot. Um, but it doesn't matter because my job is to get the information, to report it accurately and honestly and transparently taking all matters into consideration and reporting all side of it. Um, so, but you know, when you come up in this business, you sort of like, Oh, I'm going to meet relationships. It's going to be nice. And it's, you know, I, everything's going to sort of be friendly. And the Mississippi state was very friendly at Alabama. It was not friendly sometimes. Right. Um, but it was my job to report what was there. And a lot of times it involved NCAA violations or, you know, how, how are you going to bring this many players in on scholarship or this guy left the team or this guy got arrested? I mean, it's just, you know, the transition was hard. Um, and I covered it well, probably better than I did when I was friends with everyone at Mississippi state. That's a really good lesson. You don't have to be friends with everyone to report the news. Um, and then I think the other thing was, you know, Saban cut down a lot of access. You know, you couldn't get to assistant coaches. You could barely get to players. Um, and I still reported a lot and I broke a lot of news. How do you report news when there's not a lot of access? Mm-hmm. How do you figure out the truth when they don't want you to know? Those are very important things. You know, um, the kind of uh, the kind of lessons you learn take you through all the way. It's building relationships. That's what it is. If the coach doesn't want to talk to me, I got to find someone that will, right? Yeah. And it's, and it's, and it's fine. And one of the things, you know, the other thing is like, you know, I report sensitive or quote unquote negative information all the time. And sometimes it's good. Sometimes it's bad. It's, it's what it is when it's the truth. No one can say anything. And that is an unbelievably important lesson. The truth sets you free. So what I try to do is I try to let people that I'm reporting on no, hey, look, here's what I got. Do you have anything to say? Do you want to contribute? Do not. I'm mostly I'm just giving you a heads up. And if it's the truth, they can get pissed. And sometimes they do. They can't really get pissed because it's just true. Ian Rappaport from the NFL Network on the SIG Podcast. You can follow us wherever podcasts can be found. Don't forget to like and subscribe if you're following us on Instagram and Twitter. And, of course, Facebook as well. You can follow Ian uh, on Twitter at Rap Sheet. Don't forget every Sunday on the NFL Network on NFL Game Day mornings at 9 a.m. Going into Week 14, no doubt. Ian, uh, COVID nineteen man has has absolutely wreaked havoc. Um, what about how the league has handled uh, COVID and the pandemic? Going through struggles through Tennessee, obviously what happened with Baltimore and the three time postponement of that game between them and the Pittsburgh yeah. Steelers. I mean, you got to tip your hat to Roger Goodell and the league for how they've handled this. I'm honestly shocked that we haven't seen a, a prolonged period of pause other than just uh, game postponements. It's never been about 
pause because you know I remember when um, free agency was going to happen. It was middle, you know, late middle of March, and pandemic was just happening, and people were like they shouldn't have free agency. Just pause. If they had paused, when would they have restarted? When? When would right. you have had the draft? When would you have had training camp? Like I don't, I honestly don't even know. So the NFL was like, we are just going to do this as safely as possible. Change the rules on physicals. Do it as safely as possible, but do it. Same thing for the draft. It's like, well, you, you can't have the draft. Actually, you can. It just has to look different because the world is different. So it was virtual. It was remote. And it was different. And it worked. And I think the same thing for the season. Like, you don't have to pause the season. You just have to do it safely. You have to figure it out. And the NFL and the NFLPA spent months laying out these incredibly strict protocols and they adjusted them throughout. Now, I mean, everyone's in, um, you know, everyone's sort of in um, intensive protocols now. Practice is different. You have masks, but it's what it is. Just be safe, get through it, have the games. Um, I think it's been unbelievable what the NFL and the NFLPA working in partnership have done to keep this thing rolling amid a pandemic. Mm-hmm. You know, one of the things you said a couple of minutes ago is you don't have to be best friends with the coach. And I'm wondering what your relationship was like, Bill Belichick. Now, I've been in the biz for 18 years. I never had a chance to interview him. Unfortunately, hopefully that day comes one day. Maybe yes, maybe no, maybe not so fortunately. But when I watch his press conferences, I have to tell you, Ian, I find that I almost feel sorry for the members of the media that are in that room because he's not overly cooperative and he doesn't give them all that much. How difficult did you find it covering him? He wasn't the most exciting. He wasn't the most revealing. He wasn't the most friendly. He was pretty moody. What was your relationship like like him? I I really liked it. Um, I mean, yes, the press conferences you see are not always fun. After games, he's not usually very good. Mm-hmm. Except if he loses sometimes, he gets kind of thoughtful. But usually press conferences, post games aren't good. Um he always, I learned more covering Bill Belichick about the business of football, how to put together a roster, how to build a program, how to handle things financially. It's unbelievable. I feel like that education set me up to do what I do now, where I spend a lot of time covering contracts and the finances and the business, all of that. Um, that's important. When I needed him one-on-one, I could almost always get him. Press conferences, you're not going to get a lot. One-on-one, he would tell you. And one thing about Belichick is sometimes if you ask, he will just tell you whether you like it or not. Um, you know, he and I, I mean, I, I would say we have a good relationship, and I I really enjoyed covering him. It's always going to be kind of on his and the team's terms a little bit just because the access isn't great. Um, but he also has been in the business 40 years. Like, he understands the reality of it. So you report something that's quote-unquote negative, like, he he knows. Yeah. He knows. So I, I really liked it. Well, it seems like it goes back to something you touched on, you know, at the beginning of this interview, Ian, when you talk about building relationships and building trust. I always got the impression, you know, uh, only through the camera lens and through one-on-one interviews uh, through networks like the NFL Network or others, uh, that Bill always came across as a no BS, no nonsense kind of guy. Yeah. And I guess if you're talking about building credibility for yourself as a journalist and establishing these relationships, I would guess that Bill would be able to pick up on that, which I guess takes us to the Rams game. And I know we're taping this with you uh, ahead of their, you know, their kickoff on Thursday night when they play at LA, a huge game for, for both teams. Are you surprised that Bill has helped 
guide this team with Cam Newton, a run-based offense. They lean so heavily on the run attack here that they've managed a 6-6 six and six record. What were, what were your expectations about this team without Brady in their first year? Uh, I knew it was going to be a year in transition. I mean, they are getting right with the cap. I mean, look, any, any team that has a franchise quarterback is going to go through this. Saints are going to do it with Drew Brees whenever he leaves. You're going to have the dead cap money that's going to basically follow you for a year or a year or two or whenever, right? You're going to have the money follows you. So they had to get out from under that. So this year was going to be a little bare. They also had the opt-outs, a lot of opt-outs. Um, and yeah, I mean, it's, uh, I thought they would be good and competitive. My guess was eight and eight. That might be what it ends up being. They also could sneak into the playoffs. Bill Belichick is an incredible coach. He did not become a great coach because he happened to coach Tom Brady. So I knew they would be good. I knew it would be a transition year. If they could sneak into the playoffs, like he might win coach of the year, honestly. I think you're right. I think if they get in, very quietly, they've won four of their last five. Yeah, No one's paying attention to them. And here they are creeping up on everyone. And now they have a losing record on the road. They're two and four. They're going up against the Rams team. Four and one. I think they're playing their biggest game of the season here because if they win tonight and they still have the Dolphins and the Bills, that's going to be one very motivated team to play against. And I wouldn't want to play. And you know what? They're not very, they're, they're an average team, but they have a great coach, like you said. If they squeak yeah. into the playoffs, I wouldn't want to play the New England Patriots because I wouldn't want to go up against Bill Belichick. Yeah. I mean, and, and that's when. You know, he's really at his best. I mean, it, we really saw an incredible example last week. Um, you know, the Chargers aren't good, but they had never been beaten like that. I mean, they got one of the fun young quarterbacks in the NFL, and Bill Belichick made him look like he was anything but. He is a great coach. I would hate to face him in the playoffs, just really hate it. Um, and we'll see if they end up squeaking in there. You know, Ian, you talked earlier in this interview, um, covering a lot about the business side of the National Football League, and and obviously, you know, America's team, the Dallas Cowboys, have a mammoth-sized decision at hand, and how they come to that decision, considering Dak Prescott's uh, season-ending injury that he suffered at the hands of the Giants, I believe, in, if we go back to week five, right? Um, what do you think the outcome is going to be there in terms of, obviously, the contract? Does it come from Dallas, and what's the size going to be in your your educated guess? I'm not sure it's that big of a decision, honestly. I mean, to me, he's going to be the franchise quarterback for the Dallas Cowboys. I don't see him going anywhere, nor should he. I mean, they're a good team with him. They're a bad team without him. It's pretty clear, right? Like, he, I think he's one of the best young quarterbacks in the NFL. I've always been a fan. Um, to me, it's really – like, and they've offered – you know, they offered a ton of money, $34, $35 million a year. I mean, I, I, it'll be more than that now, um, probably up near $40. Um, it's really – you know, the difference wasn't money. It was um, where the, you know, the Cowboys wanted a five-year deal and Dak wanted a four-year deal. That was what it was. So, you know, are the Cowboys willing to bend on them this time to get the deal done? We'll see. Um, but it's never about if they're going to do it. It's more like how and when. With one of the premier insiders in all of professional sports, Ian Rappaport of the NFL Network right here on the Sick Podcast. Ian, a lot of people have been looking at Carson Wentz over the last year and saying something's off here. What's going on? Is it head coach Doug Peterson? Is it the Philadelphia Eagles? Is it the offensive line and the million combinations they've had? Or is it Carson Wentz? Mm -hmm. Doug Peterson now has benched Carson Wentz. He's replaced him for Jalen Hurts. Tell me how you see this all 
ending? Well, I mean, you know, Hertz is going to start on Sunday. If he wins, I imagine he'll start again. I figure he's going to get, you know, probably a couple starts at least. If he's terrible, which I don't expect, but if he's terrible, then probably Carson gets a start at the end of the season. You know, the, the real question is, like, what do they do after the season? You know, if you look at the money, always follow the money in the NFL, right? So they cannot cut Carson Wentz. They just can't. $60 million dead cap charge with a cap that's going to go down. You can't take that on. So it's either do they keep him for the following year and see if you can fix him, whether it's Doug Peterson or a new coach, possible, or do you try to trade him? If you trade him, then it's really just who thinks he is a starter. If someone thinks, if someone knows, is willing to bet on him being a starter, then a deal could get done. That could happen. But they'd have to pay, you know, $25 million for Carson Wentz. You have to know for a fact he's going to be your starter and he's going to be good. I'm skeptical about whether or not that's the case. Um, but either way, I mean, it's the worst. And even still, then the Cowboys give a 30 plus million dollar dead cap charge. So either way, it's probably the worst of all situations for Philly. No, oh, it's it's. I mean, contractually, right? The money if he's, if he's off the roster next year, the year after that. I mean, it's it's financially crippling, right? And and uh, good luck, Jalen. No problem. Just got that Saints defense to tangle with as you get set to start for in Week 14 for the Philadelphia Eagles. I know there's right. a lot to there's you know there's lots of love in the AFC recency bias uh, with how hot the Buffalo Bills on Bills are. I know. Um, you reported earlier this afternoon extensions already to Sean McDermott, uh, and now their uh, their general manager as well. Looks like the Buffalo Bills are well set up. Ian, uh, everyone's in love with Josh Allen. I mean, if we're looking at the yeah. Kansas City Chiefs as, as the creme de la creme in that conference, um, who's the bigger threat? Is it is it Buffalo as hot as they've been? We're talking it, this year. Yeah, we're talking this year, or you know, the or the Pittsburgh Steelers are now battling injuries as well. I don't know. I mean, I watched the Bills the other night, and man, they look great. I mean, yeah. I I don't, I, you know, you do this long enough, you sort of stop getting impressed by things or wowed by things. Watching some of those throws Josh Allen made, I I was like, ooh. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, off balance, going to his right, a dart thirty yards down the field along the sideline. Like, man. And what's interesting too is like, I'm not sure I got that Josh Allen from the beginning. You know, like guys who are not accurate in college don't always project well to the NFL. Well, he has. I mean, the Bills were right a million times over. They were right. Um, and now, I mean, think about what, think about the Bills now. You know, they don't, cap wise, they're not killed. They have a quarterback and a rookie contract. They have their coach and GM on extensions. Things are looking pretty good if you're the Buffalo Bills. I mean, that is a fantastic position to be in. Yeah, they're, they're a fun team to watch on offense. I mean, you you got Cole yeah, Beasley really to match are. up with. You got the best route runner in the game and Stefan Diggs. You got the cannon. God, Diggs is so good. He wow. I mean, that's true. How about that trade? Because, you know, look, you give up a number one receiver. That's tough. Well, then the Vikings drafted one. So they get out from under Diggs' contract. They draft his replacement, who's almost as good. Like, everybody, that was a great trade, and everybody wins. Another couple of minutes with Ian Rappaport, the producer of this show, is a huge Tennessee Titans fan. So I have to ask you a question about the Titans because everyone loves their offense and everyone loves Derrick Henry, but they give up a few points. Can you begin to explain to me how they don't have a true defensive coordinator? And is that going to come back to bite Rabel? I don't know. I mean, you know, they they may not have a true defensive coordinator, but it's a good enough program 
where I would say they're probably okay. I mean, it's I would imagine it's like the Patriots thing where you 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 have a play caller, but you don't have a true coordinator. Then next year you promote him. Um, maybe it's like that, but I, I don't know. I mean, I think you know probably more hurtful for the Titans is the fact that they signed two guys for you know more than twenty million dollars total who are not going to play for him anymore. You know, Vic Beasley and Jadeveon Clowney, who they were supposed to give you know huge presence off the edge, neither are on the field. That probably hurts him more than whoever the defensive coordinator is. I would say that, but I still think they're a good enough team to get into the playoffs and do some damage. Yeah, it's going to be an outstanding final four weeks of the uh, NFL regular season yeah. as we push towards the expanded playoffs. Ian Rappaport, follow him on Twitter at Rapsheet. Don't forget, you can watch him every Sunday on the NFL Network on NFL Game Day morning, starting at nine. As we move to week fourteen, I have to ask you: as huge as you are. I need to know how competitive it goes, man. Like if you see Shefty on the streets or if you see Glazer on the streets, are we throwing down? Are you guys chummy chummy? I need to know what it's like between the, the big boys in the business. Yeah. I mean, we're not, we're not throwing down. It's not, it's not like that. Like, I mean, at least from my standpoint, like I don't have, I don't have animosity toward either of those guys. They've both been very respectful to me. And I feel like I'm respectful to them too. I mean, we compete hard. Don't get me wrong sure. for everything, but you know, when someone else breaks a story, credit, you just know that it happened. Like no one tries to shoot anyone else down. Uh, you know, I don't, it's very, very competitive. It is intense mm-hmm. every day, but it's not disrespectful at all. So, you know, if I see, you know, Schefter at an event, Michael will go up and say hello. I'll see Glazer go up and say hello. Like it's, it's cordial and fine. We're just, we're just not best friends. Cool. Well, the The beauty of professional sports is, uh, we witness stardom and we witness superstars, but fans keep on asking for more and they always want to see the next guy. I'll put you in the spot a little bit. We'll only probably have okay. you with my next question in about 15 years. Is Patrick Mahomes, in your opinion, going to have a better career than Tom Brady did? I mean, you know, how many Super Bowls does Brady have? Six? Mm-hmm. You know, hard hard to imagine anyone else winning six Super Bowls, but um Individually, I mean, stats might be better. He might be a better quarterback, but, you know, the Chiefs are awesome. But to do it continually, win six Super Bowls in 20 years like the Patriots did, like we may never see that again in NFL history. How dare you ask that question? He's Tom Terrific. How dare you ask that question? Great answer, Ian. I appreciate that. Thank you. Okay, wrap it up here. If the Kansas City Chiefs don't win the Super Bowl, who, in your opinion, will? Um... I would say the Packers or the Bills would be my mm. kind of two where I could see or the Saints. I would that's a lot of teams, but I would say those three are kind of the ones I'm mm. I'm thinking I mean the Saints have been kind of up and down, not great, and they still win every week, it seems, with Taysom Hill as their quarterback. I mean, when Breeze gets back healthy in a couple of weeks, like I think they'll be great. Bills are heading in the right direction, look like a really good team. And the Packers, Rodgers playing better than he has in his career. Um, so I think those those would be my teams if it's not yeah. the Chiefs. And, you know, a Packers is a good pick, too. I mean, Adams is heating up. And I, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go out on a limb and suggest he's going to be an absolute beast in the final month for these guys starting on, starting on Sunday for them. I expect a, right. a big win on Sunday afternoon. What a pleasure this has been for us, Ian. We're not going to keep you any longer. We could go on all day, but we know how precious your time is. And you're on with uh, so many people because you're so much in demand. I want to take this opportunity to wish you all the best during the holiday season, bud. Thank you, guys. This was enjoyable. Have an awesome holiday season. It's been great hanging out with you guys, and uh, I'm sure we could do it again down the road. 
And we I appreciate your time. Thank you. Cool. Awesome, guys. Take care. Ian yeah. Rappaport, insider extraordinaire of the NFL Network. I'm Marinero. He was Sean Starr. And this was The Sick Podcast. You can follow us on all social media platforms. Check out wow. our Instagram at The Sick Podcast. And follow our Facebook page. Like it and share it with your buddies. Sean? Dude. This next time. Dude, how awesome was that? It was awesome. Come on. It was awesome. And that's a wrap. Hope you don't miss us too much until next week. Follow The Sick Podcast on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, Google Play, and Apple Podcasts. 